It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to episode 299 of Flags Fly Forever, a baseball prospectus fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Mike Gianella, and with me is my co-host, John Hagelin. John, how you doing tonight? Hey, long time no chat, Mike. How you been? Yeah, good. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is a special week. We're, we're, we were a little behind, so we're, we're trying to catch up. So we, we uh, John just put out first base, so it was like a couple days ago, and, and we're going we're gonna to record second base uh, tonight. So yeah, it's a pretty... Pretty aggressive schedule, so I, I think we should just get right to it. What do you say, John? Let's get right to it. Yeah, so we're going to do what we've been doing, which is kind of mirror this after my ADP articles. So we're, we're going to start in the first two rounds, and uh, second base has has three players, and I mean, really, there, there's one elite player here and two close to elite players. Let's start with the elite guy, um, Mookie Betts. Uh, I don't really have too much to say about him. You know, it's, it's great. He has multi-positional eligibility now. Uh, he's second base outfield. Uh, one thing I'd push back on against what I've been hearing is a lot of folks are saying, you know, you might want to wind up using him in the outfield. I'm not so sure about that. I think when we get to outfield, we'll, we'll discuss this, but I think at the bottom, the positions are even enough where it doesn't really matter that much. Just going to depend on how your draft is going. Um, but but Mookie, the player, I, I probably the only question for me, me here, I have him ranked right at the spot where he's going in ADP, which is fifth overall. So I'd be fine with him if it was a chalk draft. And this is my pick. I think it's just a question of you're losing a little bit in speed here with with bets like, you know, he's not going to steal like 20, 25 bases in all likelihood. Are you okay with that, John? Like being like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'll just worry about the steals later. It's not a zero and everything else is just amazing. Yeah, totally okay. In fact, I probably might have him fourth overall. I just think there's enough there. Um, Counting stats, he's elite. Great team context. Um, Only four games away from qualifying at shortstop too, which fantasy aside, just like think about that. The dude... Like yeah. last time he played infield was very early in his career, and he just decided to pick up uh, shortstop and second base, and was actually good at shortstop too. So anyway, yeah, and, and this doesn't look like a one-year thing. It's second. I, I think the plan is for him to to play there, which, which means that you know at least for the next couple of years he's going to be a second baseman. Yeah, Mookie Betts is on his way to a like Hall of Fame career. Um, just not much to talk about from a fantasy perspective, except that he's great. And yeah, I mean, even if you if you for some reason want to take him number two overall, I I, I wouldn't, but I, I can see it. Like it, it it's just one of those. I, it's that that early part of the draft, and you can kind of talk about how far it goes. But there's Acuna, obviously, and then two through whatever number is pretty inter- interchangeable, at least a five. So yeah, I, I really. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm with him. And then the, the next two names here, I've kind of seen them clump together, even though Ozzy Albies is going a little higher at 21st overall. And Marcus Demi is right at the back of this grouping, two, three turn, 15 teamer at 30. Um, I, they're kind of a toss up for me. I probably prefer Albies a little bit because of his youth, but they, they look very similar. I, I, the, th- the only thing with Semi, and he's kind of at the age at 33 where he's not going to drop off a cliff entirely. 
But historically, second base is just such a tough position and, you know, to kind of hold that value. But but Semyon's really been defying our expectations for years now. Um, Albies is another like nits to pick where I believe he hit 391 against uh, lefties last year. He's not going to do that again. But just two really solid players. I, I think what I wrote about them is that I'm probably looking at them more at the beginning of the third round as opposed to where they're going, which means I won't get them. But that's just more of a philosophical. I have some pitchers ranked higher here that I'd, I'd probably be more comfortable getting and than some people are. But I, I think both these guys are fine. It's funny you said um, you prefer Albies because of youth. And I my note is verbatim. Maybe slight edge to Albies because of youth. Um, so <laughs> I, I think we're on the same page. I mean, yeah. <laughs> one, one, these, these youths. Um, one of, <laughs> one of the uh, things I just know, I looked at, uh, I don't know what your evaluations um, uh, earned values last year had them at, but I looked at like Rotowires and um, Semyon beat Albies by a dollar last year, 30 to 29. And I just think you you can't look at both of them and and really, um, you know, you can't really go wrong with either pick. But so that means the yeah. the age is is the determining factor. Who uh, like who, you? Who, this is probably did, not where I'm going to get. Oh yeah, I'm who sorry. Who'd you say you had ahead? You you who was ahead by a dollar? Semi was ahead of Albies by a dollar. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm looking. I don't have the dollar values open, but yeah, I I have among hitters. I have Sebi in 14th and Albies 15th. So, so yeah, they, they were right next to each other. Um, and that's among all hitters. Yeah, it's among all hitters. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're just right there. And I, I've kind of heard some weird arguments against Semyon and that he gets so many plate appearances that if he starts falling <laughs> off at all or if he gets hurt or misses or 20 or 30 oh. games, it's not as good. It's like, okay, like I, that, that's fine. But then why aren't you making the same arguments about Freddie Freeman who's, you know, older? Like it's – This is I when you know get, that, that the analysis has gone too far when you're trying well, to pick nits about – Well, you know what it is? The first Semien. two – it just comes back to this thing. The first two rounds are tough and – we know some players are going to fail here, but outside of one or two players going in the first two rounds, especially hitters, there's really not that much to talk about. It's that kind of thing where it's like, well, they're good, and you might quibble like a few picks here, a few picks there, like I was just doing with these two. But th there's almost nobody going in the first round that I'm like, yeah, I, I wouldn't touch that player at all. And, and yeah, that, that's what it is. I think it's a lot of sort of attempting to generate content. Well, isn't that – that's – Kind of what we're doing by kind of what continuing we're doing. to talk about him. So let's move well, on. Yes, yeah, so I guess <laughs> we should we should move on. So we're we're into the next bracket now, and there are one, two, three, five second basemen here. Um, there's Jose Altuve. There's Nico Horner. There's Matt McLean. There's Haslan Kim. And just skimming in, he, he was in the next year a couple of days ago. Is Glaber Torres right at pick ninety, which is the bottom of this designation? So uh, six second basemen. I, I think this is a I want to say it's an eclectic group, but but it's an interesting group in that it's mostly speed or there's a lot of speed, but there's still enough of a broad base of skills for the most part that, you know, I, that there's a lot here with with one glaring exception. Yeah, I actually I, I texted this to you yesterday, I think, but I didn't really realize how good Altuve was um, when he came back last year. And um, I would probably prefer Altuve where he's going rather than Semien or Albies where they're going. Um, I know you want to talk about uh, some of some of this tier. So, um, I'll, yeah, Horner, McLean, Kim, there's, you know, some uncertainty. I think all three of them are maybe a little high. I honestly like Gliber here at, at around pick 90. So we're talking... Um, you know, end of sixth round. I think he's just consistent. I think Yankees are going to be better next year. So um, I'm probably avoiding that, the, the middle of this tier. But you can speak to, to some of this a little yeah, better so, than I can. Yeah, so I think I think we generally agree. Um, and, and most of these players, uh, with the exception of Porter, I have ranked like within like four or five slots one way or the other of where they're going. So it's just going to be kind of a preference thing and how other people draft and, 
I guess if I do somehow land one of the first three second basemen, and, and the most likely scenario there is I get bets right at five or maybe at six if he slips there, um, it would just be the, a case of, okay, this is a good slot for these guys. Um, so I like Torres too, but what's really funny is I noticed like a couple weeks ago he was lower. He's definitely moving up the charts. Um, and, and I think I'm sure which podcast it was. I think it was the Welsh was talking about an adjustment Torres made in the second half um, on kind of laying off pitches like out, out and completely off the plate on the outside. And, and that just made the difference in a great second half. And I, I know there's the caveats with, you know, second half numbers, but really I think the more salient point with Torres, you know, better lineup there with Juan Soto. Um, he's just not as old as you think, you know, he just turned 27 this off season. Um, he's coming into um, his walk year and really like outside of a, a weirdly disappointing 2021 where nobody's counting 2020, he's just been a consistent hitter um, outside of, again, the weird 2019 when the ball was funny, you know what you're getting 25 home runs, 10 steals, like decent enough average. And yeah, I think there'd be another level here. Like I think he could wind up being closer to like Altuve Albies in terms of production, I'm sorry, um, Albie's Semyon in terms of production than this tier, and that's kind of why I like him. I don't know if that's your same thoughts there or you know, if you have a different idea with Torres. No, that's that's pretty much it. I think the thing about players that they're almost kind of boring, and I use that word in with air quotes, um, because they've been around for a few years and and you know, maybe they've had a breakout and they've fallen, they've regressed a bit from that breakout. Um, but the point that, you know, you make about the age here means that he's really, um, you know, there's a, still like a, another, like a career season is is possibly still in the cards. I'm looking at the, I'm trying to look at the, um, I mean, o- one thing I noticed that jumps out of his stat page is that even just over the, uh, the yearly stats, we're not even talking about second half splits, he had a... Um, you know, over a 3% jump in walk rate and uh-huh. an 8% um, lower lowering of his K rate. So yeah, something kind of clicked with his, his approach. And that makes sense that it was yeah. being a little more disciplined it, about pitches outside the zone. Yeah. I mean, the, the only weird thing is like his, some of his like, you know, hard hit batted ball metrics dropped off a little bit. Uh, but it's just not something I, I would worry about too much. I, I just think he's a talented player. And like I think the shape of his overall contributions are going to be fine. And, and yeah, so I, I, I like him. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, it looks like the market is starting to see some of the same things. And, you know, we kind of know the drill. By the time, like a month from now, when everybody's drafting in earnest, he just might not be a bargain. It just might be like, oh, OK, I've got to take him, you know, at pick 80 or so to to get him or maybe a little bit higher. Um, and then really, you know, this kind of ties into like sort of a little bit of a segue here. So I, I believe that he's the slowest player in this group in, in that, you know, he's projected Well, he stole, I say 11 last year and, and I'm trying to, you know, pull up the projection to see where he's, you know, got where he's looking. Yeah. So 13 is the ATC projection for him. Um, so yeah, he, he's a little bit lower than, than the rest of, of the, you know, players in this tier. So a couple things here, like one, how important is, is speed for you, you know, particularly this early in the draft and particularly at this position. And then two, you know, th- this is the segue I wanted to make. We've talked about this like a couple weeks before this show. We talked about this, you know, before we started recording today. So Nico Horner, Nico Horner is kind of the other extreme here. Like he, he was extremely valuable last year in Roto. And a large reason is he stole 43 bases. And I wrote about this this offseason. Like something that I really found intriguing about stolen bases is that I think everybody, yeah, you know, we all knew they would go up you know, across the board. But what I didn't expect is I, I thought there'd be more like game breaking top steel players. And that just didn't happen. Like it, it didn't play out that way. And I'm, I'm kind of I had this article called grappling with the steals paradigm and I'm, I'm <laughs> grappling to find it, but I did. So 1987 was, was like the last like big, you know, big stolen base year. 
and it was you know really bigger because there were there were fewer teams but that that was the the last year that was just a ridiculous amount of stolen bases and you know in 2023 we saw the most steals since 87 most steals per game since 97 so i did a comparison of 87 to 2023 so in 20 i'm going to just go through this in 2023 there were three players this is going to be cumulative by the way so there are three players with 50 or more steals six who stole 40 or more 18 who stole 30 or more and then 51 who stole 20 or more so in 1987 those same brackets so again it's 50 40 30 20 8 14 32 and 58 so that's kind of interesting to me in that from a, a roto valuation perspective if it had played out like 1987 and 14 players had stolen 40 or more we'd be looking at it differently. Like, I, I think some people are looking at steals and I'm going, oh, Nico Horner last year was way less valuable. But my valuations tell me that's not the case because that's still a pretty, it's still pretty rarefied air. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what's really tough about this, and this is the other side of this, is that we have to, you know, look at this. Like, we, we have to look at players as how they're projected and the fact that projections generally tend to cut things off, we have to sort of be conservative with players like this. And I, I, I'm pretty conservative with Horner. Like his current ADP coming into tonight is 61, and I'm I'm out on him there. I don't want a player this early who's almost entirely stolen bases. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there because the way I look at it is where are you going to profit with Nico Horner um, in the at the 4-5 turn right i because even if the he blows by the steals you're not really getting that benefit in other categories i mean he you know the runs will should be there but he he had almost 100 last year so i just i feel like this is this is not where you're going to profit on a player i mean i get it like i don't i don't begrudge anyone the strategy of okay here's here's a 40 steals guy um, that I can get so I can lay off steals and maybe open up some options later in the draft. That's fine. But I just, I just see that the Nico Horner is just, there's, there's too much riding on one category this early in the draft for me. And it's interesting. I notice I, I have the, the ranges here for someone drafted in the top hundred, his, his, the difference between his min and his max is 47. His min is 36 His Max is 83. So I think there there's, you know, in, in any given draft, I think he could fall well past this ADP and then maybe around later, it's, it's a different, it's a different <laughs> yeah. decision. So, but, yeah. so I have him, uh, I have him ranked 86, which, which again, it just means I won't be getting <laughs> him. Be getting any, him. Yeah. And that that's a pretty, to me, like saying that Nico Horner, who is going to be mostly steals. And yes, you mentioned the runs, I'm willing to take him in the sixth round. I, I look at that almost as a sign of respect of like, well, I, I acknowledge what those steals could do for me to put him on my team in the sixth round. I just don't want to go earlier than that. I, I just don't want to commit to to that. And some of it is because there's so many steals, the category is like volatile, but also, and, and this was the other side of, of the steals like piece I put together. So, you know, when when you start like, I think I looked from 1998 to 2023 because that 1998 was when 30 teams, you know, came into the league. Um, you know, three three players in 2023 stole 50 or more. That was the sixth best total in that time. Um, you know, six stole 40 or more. That was 10th best. And when you keep going down, finally, you know, when you get to like 20 or more or, you know, 10 or more, it's the highest number. So, so the distribution of steals remains higher, like, you know, league wide. And the point being is that at nearly every position outside catcher, yes, like even at third base and yes, to a limited degree at first base, you can get steals. Like it's not impossible. Like you don't have to get Nico Horner. Like that, that's, that's kind of the point. Like you, you don't have to grab him and think, Oh no. Or if you miss him, think, Oh no, I missed out on Nico Horner. Now I have to like grab steals here. I have to do this. I have to do that. It's like, well, not necessarily, and some of this too is the NFBC versus the standalone leagues, right? Like, right. like, like exactly. in, a, in an NFBC or a contest league, yes, you, you want to like, you know, do, do well or be competitive in every category. 
in in a standalone league, you can finish middle of the pack in steals, and it doesn't matter much. And in fact, it's probably to your detriment to like potentially overdo steals and be like, huh, you know, there was, there was a hitter there in the fifth or sixth round where I really could have like added some power or an all around player as opposed to just adding all those steals. Yeah. I mean, you know, steals are the least tied to, to the other four categories, but so, you know, the, you're, you're not going to get a kind of, um, a residual benefit in the other categories by drafting the high steals guys. You make the point about overall contest versus standalone, but even in an overall, I think there, I think the philosophy was, you know, before last year that you could basically draft, you know, two or three quote unquote speed guys, right? Your steals guys, right? Your 20 plus steals guys. And you, you would be fine. You would, you know, be in the middle of the pack. You could pick up steals in fab, whatever. And now I just think you have to be more careful. So if you do go the Nico Horner route and try to get a couple of, you know, um, 30, 40 steals players and then kind of fade the category the rest of your draft, that's one way to do it. But I think what I would lean toward is is just making sure you're getting something with just about every lineup spot with the exception maybe of catcher and, and first base. Um, you, you mean something in terms of steals? In terms of steals, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. And, you know, here, here too, like th- this is kind of an interesting thing, and we'll, we'll probably get to this. Well, we talked a little bit at first base. So the one thing I could see here strategically, like let, let's say early you got Matt Olson or, you know, Pete Alonso, and, and we'll get to outfield like Aaron Judge or, or Jordan Alvarez, Jordan Alvarez. Then it's like, hmm, you know, th- then maybe this is a pairing thing where you have so much power in one of those picks, but almost no speed, where maybe you pair them with a mostly speed player. I, that's the one scenario where I could see you trying to do that. Um, because, I, you know, we told us at first base, I, I'm guessing, you know, you're not passing on Matt Olson or Alonzo in the second round because they don't run. And that just means you, you're going to want to try to pick up that speed elsewhere, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I mean, you would have to, but but I I well, you know, in, in drafts where you can try to, you know, where you have like a KDS and you're stating your preferences for draft position. I mean, that's a pretty good argument for trying to draft in the top five or six. Or five. Yeah, yeah, yeah five ish. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you really do have to rethink that whole strategy if you're. You know, and there is, you know, it's at a certain point you can't pass up on a Aaron Judge or a Juan Soto if you're right. toward the first round. Yeah, but you gotta then figure it out from that point forward. Yeah, it, it it does affect your build, and it's kind of the other side of this. Like, you know, drafting someone like Horner affects your build, but even earlier, you know, drafting one of those players that's not going to run or or almost not run at all is going to affect your build too. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm out on Horner. You know, the rest of these names here. Um, I, I'm okay with all of them. Like I said, at their, their prices, like more or less. Uh, so I don't know if you have anything, you know, I, I noticed the same thing about Altuve. Interestingly, he came back from injury. He got hurt a second time. I think it was like a mild oblique strain. And it wasn't until after he came back from that second injury that he was just like ridiculous, like peak or close to mm-hmm. peak Jose Altuve. McLean was the opposite. McLean started out amazingly and then seemed to, to struggle the rest of the way. You know, I'm kind of interested to, to see if he readjusts this year. Like, I think he's pretty talented, but, you know, I expect the average to, to fall off. And then Kim, you know, Kim, I could see, this is similar to Horner, I could see bumping him down into that next grouping that we'll talk about a little bit later where he's fine, but it, it feels like people are stretching for him a little bit. And we use draft champions ADP, so that could be part of it. He's eligible at three positions. And in a format like that, that eligibility is is really helpful. Whereas if you're drafting in a league that isn't a draft and hold, you know, not not so much. Yeah, McLean, I think, is a good player. But I again, I think, yeah, you're really paying for like his first month um, from last year. And mm-hmm. I Cincinnati is pretty fluid in terms of the they have a lot of players kind of shuffling around positions there. And, 
you know, there McLean has options left. I'm not saying there's a good chance that he has to go back to AAA, but there could be playing time crunch if he doesn't come out of the gates uh, hot. You know, you still have Jonathan India for now. Um, that could be a a very that could be a statement that does not age well in the next few weeks. We'll see. Um, but that you know that, that India might get traded. Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't think it's it, it's likely, it does, but it could be possible. It, it does. I mean, it does seem unlikely they're going to go in with all those those hitters. And I, I guess what's really tough is that McLean seems like the player least likely. I'll say least likely, but to lose time. But then again, to your point. All it really takes is a slow start by almost anyone on that offense, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they'll sit like that. That's that's kind of the rub. Or you know, go go to AAA for in many cases. So you are right. Like there's there's a little more risk with McLean than you'd expect. I really like him, but I I liked him better when I was getting him like you know deep in the two hundreds last year, and I just you know it's one of those. It's kind of a wistful feeling you get when it's a player you were in on that panned out last year, and now he's oh yeah. Going at this incredibly inflated price. Yeah, he like, was. Uh, yeah, he was. Good, we shared some good times, Ha Xiong. Yeah. No, I, I, I get it. That, that's that's always the way, too. Like, I, I think two years ago in 2022, I, I was all over Andres Jimenez late. And last year, I just didn't have him. And it was kind of that thing where I was like, well, I feel bad, but I, I can't, you know, I can't stretch for him just because he won me a few leagues the year before. That's just the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of Jimenez, do you want to move on to the next? Let's move on. Group? Okay. So here we have seven names: uh, Bryson Stott, you know, Jimenez, who I just mentioned, Kettle Marte, Zach Gela, Tyra Estrada, Luisa Rise, and Tommy Edmond. So one point I want to make about this group before we we move on. So I, again, I don't want to I don't want to turn this into a straw man podcast where I keep complaining about other podcasts and cowardly not naming them, but what's really intriguing is I've heard a lot of people talk about how second base is thinner this year, every single comparable player last year. So last year there were also 15 at this time, there were also 15 second baseman total through the you know first 13 rounds, like off the board, the ADP at every comparable slot is higher this year. <laughs> and in this grouping in particular, everyone's being drafted anywhere from 29 to 64 picks earlier. I don't mean the player. I mean like the slot. So if you have Tommy Edmond is the 15th, like second baseman off the board and he's at ADP 164, you know, the, the second baseman at this time in that slot last year is going at least like 29 picks later. So, so it's really, I don't, whether you believe these players are strong or not is one thing, but the market certainly, you know, looks at this group and thinks, yeah, this is a pretty good place to go, go shopping. I look at this tier and I, I think of the, um, the office meme where Pam is, you know, corporate wants you to find the difference between these two pictures. It's the same picture. Um, these are the same players with the exception of Marte and arise. Um, you're, you're, this uh-huh. is the tier where you get your like 10 plus homers and your 20 plus steals and a decent average. And I guess that's an argument for going later in the tier. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, the- I, I like, like, I, I don't really have anything interesting to say about this tier because I kind of like all these players to varying degrees. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think the player, well, so, you know, it's kind of funny. I agree with you. Uh, so I, I think as a result, like the the player I like here the most is Tommy Edmond, and it's just because he's going, you know, so much more cheaply than everyone else except Arise. And it, it's just funny, like Tommy Edmond, I felt a couple of years ago was just way overvalued, and now the pendulum swung the other. He's not way undervalued, but. I don't see much of a difference here. The projections kind of agree. And yeah, he, he had surgery right after the season ended. That news just came out like a little under a month ago. And I think there could be some recency bias in that. And as soon as like he, you know, shows up to spring training or they have a timetable, he'll, he'll kind of move back up or maybe some of these names will move back down. But yeah, I, I like the idea of of getting a hitter here. Who's like a 10, 25 hitter, you know, everything else is okay. He's not a great offensive player in real life, but it, that doesn't matter. I, I'm I kind of like him. And then the other guy I like here, this this is just the philosophical argument is Luisa Rise. Mm-hmm. 
I think people really I've heard so many like I can't draft him. I, I, I can't do it. I'm I'm committing <laughs> to one category. He doesn't do st- enough in other categories, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, well, okay, take take a breath. <laughs> um so if you if you just just to look at his projection for a second, you know, he's yes, he's not gonna have many home runs, he's not gonna run. But what you're really looking at here is he's kind of the batting average version of these steals players. He's elite in one category. And in runs and RBI, he's, he's projected to get about 140 combined across the two. That's very similar to some of these, you know, these guys that are primary, you know, primarily steel players. So what, what you're really looking at is like, yeah, you're taking a bit of a home run dip from, say, a Bryson Stott. But what you're really looking at here is getting a great batting average contributor as opposed to a great stolen base contributor who doesn't do enough everywhere else. If, if, if Arise was going in the top 100, I'd agree. I'd be like, yeah, don't, don't pay for last year, man. Like you're, you're going to feel bad about it. But at pick 161, I'm, I'm kind of fine just taking him and be like, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll figure the rest out. This is late enough where I'm locking in a category and everything. I'll, I'll just make the, I'll make it work. So let me put it this way to you. Who do you think finishes with a higher value in like category specific value next year, Nico Horner and steals or Larice arise in average. It's probably going to be Horner, but I think it's going to be close. Right. And, and, and that, that's, that's the piece I also believe that people are undervaluing. So hundred you know, picks I, apart. Yeah, well, well, that's a large part of what it is. Like people, so this is another thing people are doing. They're they're looking at replacement level, and I've heard this argument too. Of Luisa Rise is way over on average, and he's below in the other four categories. It's like, well, yeah, but the the mistake there is he's still a really positive player. Like I, even the other models that are more conservative and average than I am, they still have him this year like kind of around 100 overall, like not just hitters, but overall. So yeah, I, I, I think people are overthinking it and they're getting into their heads as far as, well, I, I can't draft him. He doesn't do enough here. He doesn't do enough there. I, I just think you're making a mistake by, by kind of doing that. And this is the other thing too, like he's projected for nine home runs, like, which isn't great, but also it, it's not like a zero. Like it's not like he's, you know, going to, he's not Otis Nixon, in, you know, he's not Otis Nixon. He's not going to, for, for you younger listeners, go look him up. Um, I'm sure all, all three of you. Um, he, <laughs> he He's not going to hit zero home runs. Like, he's going to give you something. So, yeah, that's enough about Louisa Rise. But I, I'm I probably going to have him on a few teams this year if, the, if his ADP stays here. Yeah, this is kind of a dummy analysis for me. But his slug over the last three years, 376, 420, 469. So he's, he's definitely... Um, you know, gotten a better, learned how to hit the ball harder and, you know, at least uh, put up a respectable number of home runs given that, that average in those bat to ball skills. So, yeah. And the, and the bat to ball metrics like kind of support it. Like he, you know, he was a little bit lower on the X slug, but it, it, it was there. So yeah, he's, he's a really good hitter and, He'll continue to be a good hitter. If there's someone I'm willing to bet on being an outlier, like not a 350 outlier, but say a 330 outlier, it's it's a rise. So, yeah, I have no problems grabbing him. I'm a little sad he's not first base eligible anymore and has a dual eligibility, but case sera, sera. So, yeah, I... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This tier, you know, this is, we'll get to this the next year too. This is something weird. This is kind of like the last, it sounds strange. It's like the last chance to really get your speed for the most part. Or at the very least, like get speed that's not attached to like a player that does almost nothing else. And I'm not talking about Horner. Like I'm talking about somebody like like 20 steel potential, but everything else you're like, oh, like, okay. Yeah, I got a player like this later. Bottoms out, yeah. Um, So one note, I do you have any other notes on any of these other players? I know you said you like most of them, so I don't want to belabor it. No, no, I like this tier. I mean, I think chances are in many drafts I will be getting my second baseman from this tier. Okay, so so here's the other thing I want to push back on. I know we've talked about this for the show. So Tyro Estrada, I, I think he's fine. But <laughs> I, I, you know, I, this is the beginning to a, to a breakup you, conversation. Yeah, well, I, th- I, I think you're fine. I, it's not oh, you. I, well, I, I assume you like Estrada, though. I mean... <laughs> As a as a fan or as a fantasy player? Well, well, I, as a fan, I have to. Well, well, as a fan, I like him too. He's a great story. Like I, I'm yeah. rooting for the guy. Um, and you know, the the Yankees gave up on him, so yay! Like it, it's good that he's, you know, succeeding. And and yes, it still sounds like a, a breakup conversation. This is just a this is just a fantasy argument. Like it, it's just kind of a weird like thing with him. So so the argument with with Estrada is that he maximizes his ability to pull, he takes advantage of the park, he's going to hit a bunch of home runs. But the the thing that's ugly is that if you look so remember years ago when people started using like, you know, you know FIP and they started saying, "Oh, this is the stat." and diving into it too much and it's like, yeah, at some point you're just overthinking this you know, this fielding independent pitching. I think that's where we're at with StatCast now, where people tend to overthink it. But when there's extremes, like an expected slugging versus slugging, I just notice it. And the thing that's really impossible not to notice is that, you know, Estrada among qualifiers was like in the bottom 20 in expected slug overall. And I'm not talking about like differential, but just overall. And it won't surprise you to know, like, this is an ugly list of hitters. Like, it, it's just not a list of hitters that hit for power. And, and that's kind of what it comes down to is, like, could, could he defy the odds? Sure. I, I just, I, I've heard some folks saying, oh, he could hit 20 to 25 home runs and steal 30 bases. It's like, yeah, that that's not going to happen. I, I think probably 16 home runs, which is one of the more robust projections, is the ceiling. And projections being what they are, maybe it's 20. Like, just because baseball's weird, he, he could go on a run. I just don't want to bet on that from him. And then that's, I guess, where my discomfort is with Estrada. I think he's really good at pulling the ball in Oracle Park. Like, every home run I see, I, I could go back and look at the stat cast to see how accurate I am. But I think he's, he he's, you know, he'll he'll pick a pitch, he'll turn on it, and he'll... Those are the ones he he yanks out. So I don't know. There might be a little bit of a um, mismatch, but like his ex slug might not be totally predictive. Um, oh, I agree. It's not. It's not totally predictive. I just think when there's that much of a gap, it's just yeah, hard yeah. To... No, I I hear you. I I the other thing, and this you know, not to be a a total homer, but um, you know, Estrada. I think there is still a little bit of uncertainty around his role going into last year. But going into this year, like they have so much shuffling and mixing and matching that the positions where they will have an everyday player are there will be Patrick Bailey at catcher, there will be uh, Jung Hu Lee in center, and there will be Luis or uh, Luis Arise, um, Tyro Estrada at second base, yeah. and everything else I think is unless they sign Matt Chapman. Um, so I think he's going to blow by that 530 plate appearances um, yeah, of no, last year. I, no, I and think that, you're right. That gives him a little bit of the, a little bit of a higher ceiling yeah. in the counting stats. The, the other thing I'll say too. So one of, one of my things about him last year is that I pointed out his defense was middling by by some metrics, like bad by others. Um, he really improved that last year. And that that's kind of important because that, that supports what you're saying, which is I he'll play. 
because his defense is good. So even if everything else is, is kind of eh, and even if I'm right and the power doesn't materialize, he'll he'll get enough volume that I think he'll be fine. So, no, I, I don't have anything against him. It, it's just more like it, it kind of like I said, like, but I you're still the, you're still breaking up with him, Mike. I still look at Estrada Edmund and I, I kind of have to squint, I guess, to see the difference. That, that's that's mostly what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I All might right. give Estrada the edit the edge in in average, but I I hear you, and they're they're yeah. very similar. So we we've got a giant like tier here before we you know move on to our sleepers and whatnot. So let me just read off all these names. I think there's eleven names here. Wow, um, and, and it's a big gap too at ADP from uh, Edmund to the next name. So yeah, it is eleven. So I'm gonna just rattle off these names, and then we can go from there. Uh, Nolan Gorman, Eduard Julian, I think it's Julian, uh, Brandon Drury, Ryan McMahon, Jonathan India, Luis Renjifo, uh, Gavin Gavin Lux, who I keep wanting to think is a shortstop, but he's still ineligible there, uh, Whit Merrifield, Jorge Polanco, Brad, Brandon Lau, and Brendan Donovan. So so this is a this is a chunk of players, and. I think, you know, I alluded to this before. The biggest thing I, I noticed here, the steals are mostly gone. Um, so take Lux out because he didn't play. The the 15-second baseman that we already talked about before this group averaged 19 steals. The the 10 non-Gavin Lux second baseman here averaged eight. And a lot of that is Whit Merrifield. He had over a third of those steals. So, and we don't really know where Merrifield's going to land. So, this is interesting. When we get to shortstop, you'll find this too. Like, the same thing happens in this bucket. So, for all we talk about how there's all these steals, there's there's all these stolen bases, it's something to think about in those earlier rounds because you're not going to find a lot of steals in this this group. No, you're not. And hopefully you got them already. I mean, now we're getting into like the, the MI territory. Yeah, that, um, well, there's that too. Like the, these should be, I mean, maybe Gorman, depending on how people move folks around, like if Kim winds up at third base, like maybe Gorman, somebody's second baseman, but you are right. Like the, these are middle infielders and some of this hopefully is by this portion of the draft, like you're looking more, you've got your categories settled and you're like, okay, like I know what I need and you know, I know how I like can kind of like let things shake out. And so, yeah, I, there is power here though. Like I, I kind of find it like you've got Gorman who has, you know, a ceiling with power, but even if you look at like just history, you've got McMahon and Drury and, and Lau and all of them could potentially like hit 25 home runs. Like there, there's deficiencies with all of them, particularly with batting average, you know, Drury does not run at all, but there's still power to be had like down, down in this bucket. Yeah. I'm just looking at like, I, I, for the life of me don't understand why Jorge Polanco is being drafted this low. Uh, it's, it's kind of a shame he got traded. I mean, the trade, I think certainly cements his, his playing time. He's going to play every day. Yeah. Well, for the I, Mariners, think that, but, I think that was it, John though. I think between like, because it was um, crowded and it was crowded. Minnesota. People thought he'd get traded. People thought Polanco might have a job. And and now that he's been traded, I think both he and, and Julian's ADP is going to like move up a little bit. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, Polanco, most projection systems have him low 20 in homers and um, around 70 runs, 80 RBI and a not, you know, a non-zero like high single digits number of steals. So I think he's a good, a very good, um, you know, just kind of cementing, spackling your roster sort of pick. And if you somehow ended up after pick 250 without a second baseman, I think he's good. Um, you know that I do like Luis Renjifo in this tier. Um, you know, the, the positional eligibility is, um, you know, he's, he's everywhere. He's, second, third, short, and outfield. Um, he's, he's, stop laughing at me. No, I he's, was, I, I was thinking about the Roy Kent thing when you said, you know, he's, he's here. I, I thought he's he, there. yeah, he's everywhere. <laughs> that, that's what, that's why I was laughing. Um, he just, you know, this, I, I am not going to oversell a second half jump in stats, but it was a, it was a really big jump in walk rate and power. 
And really the thing is, um, he's another, I think he's only 27 too. Yeah. Um, switch hitter, uh, projected at this point, 26, he's only 26. He'll, he'll turn 27 in, uh, later this month. Um, so I just think a pretty high floor for Red Hifo unless the Angels uh, dip further into the free agent market or trade. Um, if he leads off for this team, it's not a great offensive team, you know, especially after losing Shohei. Uh, but I, I just think you'll get um, a lot of counting stats and decent power and double-digit steals after pick 200. Yeah, I, I I think he's solid. That that's probably my biggest concern is that the Angels go sign somebody else. Like I, I saw there were some JD Martinez rumors, and you know Martinez would obviously DH if that happened, and then Drury would go to second, and you know you well Rendon would get hurt, and then Drury eventually go to third. But before that happened, Renhifo would be a utility player. I, I think my biggest knock against Renhifo is just that since he hasn't been a full timer for the most part. Yes. I know he's played over 125 games the last two seasons. I worry a little bit about how he holds up for a full season, but he's a solid all around player. And I can buy the projection, which, you know, is about like, you know, 15, 16 home runs, like close to double digit steals, decent average. Like I, I think he's fine. I I'm just worried about the angels angeling it up and him being more of like a utility all around player than, than a starter. Well, when we get to March and and we have a better idea of what the lineups will look like, I mean, his ADP will probably rise, but I yeah. still think I'll be kind of keeping my eye it, out for him at this point. I mean, drop. I mean, it's already moving up. Like that, that's kind of the thing about him. Like he he was mm-hmm. like kind of closer to three hundred, and now he's at two forty nine. So yeah, he he's definitely already like kind of moved up the the chain here for, for sure. My, my guy here, the, the guy I love and I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head is, is Nolan Gorman. Like I, I really, I see a lot of growth in him. Um, he had some, you know, injuries in the second half. I think there's some concern that about his back injury, although I'm less concerned because if he had a back injury and, and the, the word was like, we don't know what it is, you know, or, or, well, what are you going to do? He has a back injury. I'd be like, Oh crap. But he's apparently already undergoing a conditioning program and they're working on it. And yes, it's a risk, but I, I'm not particularly like worried about that. And then the other thing I hear is he might platoon, but I, I look at the Cardinals lineup and I, I don't see it. Like I, I'm not really sure where, that's going to happen. And I, I also look at the splits and you know, what, what I kind of see on the splits is that he was, he was fought against lefties. Yeah. It was, just, it was an 86 like plate appearance sample, but also it's not like he completely cratered against them. I think you could be looking at a 30 plus home run hitter, which at third base is pretty rare. And it's rare enough that if he, you know, hits that like 230, 240 batting average projection, I'll just kind of live with that. I really like him at this price. Yeah, I don't I, I don't disagree. I mean, this is, you know, the thing about Gorman too is there is a lot of room for for growth and upside here. Like he he has the the raw power to to jump yeah. you know, exponentially in in home runs. So, I like it. You know, I'm looking at the Cardinals um roster resource lineup. It's not, you know, they they already have Mason Wynn. Um at shortstop, and then the only player of consequence on the bench that you'd think might be in the mix is Dylan Carlson. Yep. Unless there's, you know, so they've they've even got like you know Brendan Donovan in there and Lars Newbar and you know I, I Jordan Walker. So I think there's there's plenty yeah. of run for Gordon Don, this year. Don, yeah, and Donovan's the guy I, I think winds up as more of a like kind that's of a his super, natural role. Yeah, well, as a super utility, like all over the place, and and that's where Carlson probably gets gets his reps. Um, so yeah, I I really th- this is the we talked about this at first base. So I find myself trying to get these younger players that I see on the cusp of of breaking out. But who who have already done enough where it's like okay I'm not just taking somebody like Jackson Holiday too early because I'm like woohoo Jackson Holiday's gonna be great someday it's like no like I we already saw like a lot of these like solid numbers and and now I'm just betting on a little bit more. Yeah, we should do like an all Mike's breakout team for by position because we got our first base and 
Casas, and now we got our second baseman and yeah. So far, it's a Gorman. It's a, so far, it's a fun team. Yeah, I I, I got to see who I'm trying to remember who I, I picked at third, but we'll we'll get to that um, next week. Uh, so anyone else here that you want to talk uh, about? I you know just I'll uh, do a couple of quick hits. Um, uh huh. I think McMahon is perfectly fine here, especially he's got the second, third eligibility. If you're going for a, you know, a, a bench spot, I love that versatility. He is an objectively bad hitter. Like I, his, his WRC plus last year was 88. <laughs> and, you know, I know that he gets the cores bump. So the, the one thing is that in, in uh, daily leagues or in leagues where you can switch out during the week, like the NFC NFBC leagues, um, you almost want to just platoon him and keep him, just for home starts. Um, India is yeah. kind of mystifying to me. I wonder if that ADP is just because of the uncertainty he's, about his yeah. role or where he's, he's I mean, be. he's, re- he's really dropped. And I think that's why, like, and I also think that the more people look at them, the more they think if there isn't a trade, he's going to be on the bench. I don't really buy that, I but, don't it either. Is, but it is tough. Like it, it's tough because somebody's going to lose playing time. And I, I could logically see based on all the other potential how people think it's going to be India. Um, but at this ADP of 234, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not targeting him, but he's someone I could see taking here as my middle infielder just because it's like, well, <laughs> you're writing off a player who's still relatively young and has a, a pretty decent ceiling, like way too soon. Like looking at his projected plate appearances, which I know is, is more art than science, especially, uh, you know, even considering um, the, the, Variants of projections, but most systems have him high 400s, maybe just scraping 500. I think he'll get to 550 next year. So, yeah, Uh, barring injury, of course. Yeah. So, so the other, the other thing too, it's funny because this is the other side of the, the me targeting younger players. Like I'm not necessarily down on Drury or McMahon, but I, I, I think in years past I would have had them ranked well above this thinking, Ooh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get my boring veteran bargains. And now I'm like, yeah, like they're, they're fine here. And I, I don't mind taking them, but it is when you look at McMahon in particular, there's that ugly thing of like, man, he's just not a good real life player. And we kind of know what he's going to do. And it, it's it, it, I, I, doing that thing that you're describing, like in, in a league where you can change lineups a couple times a week, it's great when everybody's healthy. It's a little bit harder when you have even one injury on your bench. Yeah. And you're, or, or you're, you've got, you've got five pitchers on your bench. Cause you're like, Oh, I need to stream pitchers. I, I need this and do that. It, and then you're stuck with McMahon on the road. So it, it's, yeah, it, it's one of those uh, things I'm fine with him, but last year is all about him. This year. I'm kind of like, eh, he's okay here. And this year I really want to, you know, make sure that I have, like max playing, like I really am going to sort of stay away from, try to stay away from players that have role uncertainty or look like they're, even if it's a long side platoon, I just don't, I just, because you, you, you put it, you know, exactly. Yeah. And it, when you leave the draft table, it looks like you have a, a team where, okay, I've got this one bench spot where I can put him in for these, you know, for home starts or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but very quickly that erodes and uh-huh. that player becomes an everyday starter. So yeah. I really want to try to avoid situations like that. Yeah. Or at the very least, like if, if you get a player like that, like you, you want a player that's so good on the positive extreme that you're willing to live with the negative extreme where you're like, Oh, okay. Like mm-hmm. the, this, like a, a good example, again, you know, it's not even a horrible one. We talked about earlier, it'd be like Ozzy Albies, like Albies is not the greatest against righties, but he's good enough where you're like, oh, okay, like this is fine. And he does so much against Southpaws that like, who cares? Like it, I'm not going to like cry about this, but, but it is this portion of the draft where you're absolutely right. Like if, if you have a player with a deficiency and on the, on the good, on, on the good side, whether it's cores or whether it's, you know, left versus lefties, he's just average or adequate. You're like, okay, well now I have an adequate player when he's like at his best and a zero at his worst. And it's like, eh, I probably don't want that. So good point. I, that that's a good way to, that's a good way to look at it. Um, so let's wrap up. Um, I normally don't really run through the names here, but, but I'm just going to go through like, this is like the kind of the end and around to the reserves. So the second baseman here are Jeff McNeil, 
Jordan Westberg, Bryce Terang, Ahmed Rosario, Jake Cronenworth, and Brendan Rogers. And here we can talk about, I think we want to be end positively. So we can really talk about anybody who, I don't know, you know, I hate the term sleeper, but anybody who you look at and go, this is a value or this is somebody the market's overlooking. So it doesn't even have to even be somebody here. It can just be a player you look at and you go, wow, like this, this player really is just being overlooked or it's somebody on reserve. I could see targeting, or it's even somebody who, if I missed out on my MI, I don't mind taking here. Well, okay. Just let me just preface this by saying, I don't think this player is very good offensively. Um, but he is good enough defensively to play every day, and he does have a projection of um, – he's the only one around here that has 25-plus steal projection, and that's Bryce Terang. Um, I don't like it, uh, but it's the kind of, oh, my God, I've, I've totally fucked up and avoided speed. How can I um, you know, get off – fix this with some kind of Band-Aid where I have an everyday player – um, who has some room for growth, uh, yeah. but will run. And so like, I don't, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not super psyched about it, but I think he does stand out in this tier yeah. as someone who has like category juice in at least one scarce category. Yeah. And he, you know, he's 24 years old. Like, I think that's the thing too. Like he had a really rough year last year. Like there's, there's just no way around it. Like he was terrible. I, he was a complete zero against left-handers. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about like no extra base hits and a 188 average, uh, you know, small sample, but you know, it, it just not what you want, but I agree with you. Like, and, and in deeper leagues in particular, like getting 20 to 25 steals from your middle in, you know, last middle infielder, or even just a guy in reserve where it's like, okay, I can just plug him in and, and mix and match. And I believe he's eligible. He is at both middle infield positions. Like that, that's a big thing too, for your bench. So I agree. Like at, at this point in the draft, like I don't want him. I think it's gonna be true. A lot of these players we talk about, but he's, he's perfectly fine here. Like for, for sure. Uh, what, what I find is there's, I, there's a lot of players here. And again, this is the caveat. I don't love them. I don't necessarily like want them, but at their prices, they're okay. Like, for example, I'm willing to roll the dice on Brendan Rogers. Like, yes, I've been burned by him before, but he is a reserve pick now. He's going in the 24th round. He's still got cores going for him. And he's the sort of player I take where it's like, if he doesn't look good early, I just move on. I, I might take a closer look at the Rocky schedule to see what their home road splits are like in in April, particularly in, in shallow leagues where if they have a lot of road games, I mean, I just wait because <laughs> I could see somebody drafting him and being disappointed early and going, Ooh, I didn't realize the Rockies were on the road so much. I'm going to cut him. And then I swoop in. Um, <laughs> I've been out on Jake Cronenworth so long that, <laughs> yeah. that, that it looks and I've been like, in for so yeah, long and that it looks like it's... that it looks like in to me, you know, to, to paraphrase <laughs> Jim Morrison, but now he's so cheap. And he's going to start, and there's almost just nothing to lose here, particularly in a deeper league. Like you're, you're just going to get a, a ton of plate appearances. The Padres aren't very good. He, he, I don't see who's going to to supplant him, and I also don't see how he could be worse than he was last year. And if he is, you you cut him. Like he, he's just a very like easy, quick cut. So Cronenworth is is just a complete no brainer to me at this price. Um, David Schneider, I'm really fascinated to see if he can kind of keep up the aberration of, of the, you know, hitting the ball hard, you know, despite you know, the way he hits and his strikeouts again, really cheap price. I, I move on quickly. And then finally, and I, I feel like I'm going to mispronounce his name, the, the pirates projected second Joel, baseman. I I've heard Eno say Jover. Yeah. Which I, I want to see. You know, probably, you know, Saris probably has. But he's not the best with pronunciation, so I, yeah. I'm not sure. Sorry, you know, if you're listening. It's, it's Lee. Lee Over. Lee yes, according to, well, it's baseball reference, so let's go with that. So it's Lee Over Peguero. So Lee Over Peguero. So Peguero, um, it's just not difficult to see a path to 15-15. Um, Rodolfo Castro was this guy last year. So yes, you, you could very easily get burned. Uh, the, the, a lot of strikeouts, not a lot of walks, but 
again, this this is a price point thing. He's his ADP is four oh six. You're outside the top four hundred. Just no problem, like taking it with a reserve pick and seeing what happens. Yeah, the one thing I'll note about this tier is just the um, multi-position um, players that you can get, and not just the second and short players, um, but players that can go second and outfield. Um, wait, I forget where this where we cut off. Did we cut it off was, after McNeil? No, Mc, we have McNeil here. Yeah, so McNeil's okay, outfield. Mc, like, McNeil. Jordan yeah. Westberg, second and third. Cronenworth, as you mentioned, first and second. McKinstry, second, third, short. So I'm not going to read the list, but, um, you know, end game type of players who yeah. can fill a few spots. Yeah, I mean, you don't want all these players, but you know, this is kind of the funny thing, too. Like, I'm I'm not saying to draft him, but Mauricio Dubon, who is an afterthought, was was quite valuable last year, and he he's second base outfield. No, I say quite valuable. It, it, it's not a crime he's being drafted slate, but he was just a very useful player in the second half because he played a lot. He had a lot of utility for a great team in the Astros. Scored a lot of runs. You know, drove in a lot of runs. And yeah, he's he's eligible at two positions. We're talking real deep now. Like Kyle, Kyle Farmer's another one. Yeah, eligible at three positions. And like you said, I'm not going to rattle off the whole list, but that's the thing about second base, especially as you get to the back end here, just a ton of players who could have multi-positional as well. Even, you know, don't, don't laugh, but like Nicky Lopez, who's probably going to be starting for the white Sox at least on opening day, he's second base and third base eligible. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't, I laughed. I couldn't, you have to laugh a little bit, but you know, you talked about Terang. Like I kind of look at Lopez like, well, he, he could run. And mm. if he doesn't at this price, like I, I don't really care. Well, the, the Dubons of the world, like I, I wouldn't necessarily draft 2023 Dubon for 2024 because those players are going to just bubble up on the on the yeah. wire. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, that so keep keep your eye out for this year's Mauricio Dubon. Well, that, that's that's a good place to close out, like second base in general, because of the way the position is. There's so many players like that that wind up coming out of nowhere. I think I've done this analysis before. Like players taken past pick 500, they most likely either have second base eligibility or wind up with it by the end of the season. And that's mm. exactly what it is. Like, so this is a position you don't want to keep it open. But if you do draft a second baseman and he craps out, there's still some flexibility on the wire where it's like, okay, I can like make up for this. This is like the 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 sort of if you if you're in a family and there are a lot of or let's say you're a parent and you have a lot of children, I feel like second base is the the drama free child. It's like the child you don't worry about. There's going to be plenty of other drama. You know, the catcher has has just been caught, you know, vaping uh, at school, and um, I don't know the the third baseman. Um, you know, his grades are you know, just went in the tank because he's he's got a new girlfriend. But the second the second base child is just plowing along, getting the grades, no trouble, no drama. The, the, you know, by the standards of 2024, that's pretty I don't even know if that's drama anymore. Like that's but yeah. <laughs> I, I have one child and he is very drama free. So I don't have any direct experience with with child drama. He's only yeah, 12. yeah. My my I mean mine are older, but they're they're like, they're great. Like they, there's not really, we don't do this person in the dad cast, but like, yeah, there's, there's none of that drama. So yeah, maybe the second base is our kids, John, like just, you know, <laughs> good, good eggs. And, you know, but you know, not, not any, not anything to really salacious going on here. Great, so, great, great place to end. Yeah. Great place to end and make it weird. So we'll, we'll take a breath and we'll, we'll come, we'll come back in a little bit. Thank you for listening to episode 299 of Flags Fly Forever, a baseball prospectus fantasy baseball podcast. Uh, Don't forget, we're going to be trying to do these every week. Next week, we're going to do third base. 
Uh, I, the fantasy content's out there. Uh, third base week will be next week. We're, we're finally syncing up with uh, what we're doing on the podcast and what's going to be you know, out there on the site. Also, the 2024 annual is, is out. Uh, you, you can go to our website and um, order the, the 2024 book. Um, I'm not going to give you the full URL, but just just go to the site or you know search online like I did for Baseball Prospectus Annual. It's one of the first things you'll see. Um, if you even if you go to thriftbooks.com, you can find it there as well. Um, so please support us. John and I are both featured, as I mentioned last week in the book. So you can find us and many of your favorites there. Uh, for Mike Gianella, for John Hagelin, thank you very much. We will be back again next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.